0: Good morning. Good morning. It's hour two of mornings with Carmen here on Faith Radio. Hey, thank you for those of you engaging on uh, the text line. I love that. I appreciate that. Cheryl asked a really great question here. Um, By the way, I'm I'm proposing a like Monday mailbag segment. I don't know. I haven't completely thought through it yet. Haven't even talked with Paul about it. There you go. This is how the new year begins. Sometimes I have ideas. So I'm thinking like, on Mondays, maybe we could do a segment where we just answer listener questions that came in the week before. So Cheryl's we're just going to do on the fly right now. Um, Cheryl says, um, please help me understand how to pray for Israel. So are we to pray for the eradication of the terrorist? Um, we are reminded they, too, are image bearers. Uh, lots of evil you know, is wiped out in the Old Testament. You know, do we pray for the eradication of evil? Um, you know, it seems like there's a hotbed of evil in the region. I just need some direction. Thank you for your insight. Well, Cheryl, first of all, thank you for your question. Thank you for listening today. Thank you for engaging on the text line. You can be like Cheryl. Uh, text me at 877-933-2484. So there are lots and lots of resources posted out there in terms of how to pray for Israel and, um, and Gaza. And, Um, I really like the list that's been put together by Open Doors. They offer us a number of ways to pray. Um, Open Doors is a a wonderfully credible organization that works with persecuted Christians around the world. They focus on persecuted religious minorities everywhere. Um, Here's just a list that, that, that they give us. Pray for the Israeli families who mourn for loved ones killed or taken hostage. Pray for the believers in Gaza caught in the middle of the conflict. Ask God to protect innocent people during this conflict, or I would say now during this war. Pray that somehow God will work through the situation to bring more people to Jesus and that his people would be salt and light. Pray for those who have been driven out of their homes. Pray for open-door partners in the Holy Land. So there you could say, you know, we're, we're going to pray for every Christian organization and every partner organization that's active and operating—I mean, you—you've met Luke Moon. Pray for the Philos Project and the Philos Project partners on the ground there as well. Pray for peace. Pray for peace. Um, ask God to bring an end to war—not only this war, but the war that rages in human hearts, the war against His Son, King Jesus, the—the the war against good. Um, this a bigger there's a bigger contest going on than just a contest over sand and land um there's a there's a war raging and it's spiritual and it's for every human heart and so Cheryl thank you for your question um if um if you're interested in uh i can i'm happy to send you guys the link to that open doors um uh seven ways to pray for israel and gaza but i also think that you could probably like generate a list yourself, um, but I'm happy to send it to you. So again, you can just text me, 877-933-2484. You like a Monday mailbag idea? Jessica says, yes, let's do Monday mailbag. That'd be fun. Okay. Um, here is uh, something out of the headlines today that I thought was a really good New Year's conversation. So Denmark has a queen. I know, you don't think a lot about Denmark. You probably don't even know they have a queen. They do. Margarita the Margarita the second margaretta maybe it's margaretta the second well margaretta um has been the queen of denmark since 1952 on january the 14th uh 1952 her father king frederick the ninth um died and Margrethe the second took over the throne she became queen so 52 years to the day after she succeeded her father as the monarch of Denmark, she is going to abdicate. She's going to step down and her son will become king. So all of this got me thinking, no matter how long a monarch reigns, which by the way, after the death of Queen Elizabeth uh, last year, Margrethe II became the longest serving monarch in Europe. Um, longest living serving monarch, yeah. Which, which got me thinking, like no matter how long a monarch reigns kings or queens kings and kingdoms all pass away all of them except for one it doesn't matter how long they reign i mean she's been reigning since 1972 that's longer than some of you have been alive it's almost my whole life she's been the queen of Denmark, but it doesn't really matter how long a human monarch reigns a king a queen Kings and kingdoms all pass away, all of them, except for one. So when we turn to the page from 2023 to 2024, um, you know, it's notable that we did not do so in the 52nd year of the reign of Queen Marguerite II. Like, that's not what any of us said. Nowhere is 2024 described as, you know, the fourth year of a particular person's presidency. <laughs> Like, we don't talk about it that way. We call this year by a name, and his name is Jesus. This is the year of the Lord, 2024. Anno Domini, A.D. It's not after death. It's Anno Domini, the year of the Lord. And who is this Lord? Jesus. This is Jesus's year. This is the year King Jesus reigns. This is the year of the kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus. Jesus laid public claim to the eternal throne, oh, you know, over all of space and time, and every human life, and every earthly kingdom. Luke chapter four is a great place to turn. After the baptism of Jesus by John in the Jordan, you know, he's uh, led or compelled or pushed by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness, where he spent forty days. Tempted in every way by the devil, but never sinned. And then we read, beginning in verse 14 of Luke chapter 4, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. News about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues. Everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath, he went to the synagogue, as was his custom. And he stood up to be the reader for the day. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him and unrolling it. He found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened upon him. And he said to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, it's interesting to me that Luke says, Jesus began speaking by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, which suggests the sermon went on from there. We don't have a record of that. I wish we did. The next verse, 22, is following the sermon, and it's sort of the, you know, the chatter that goes on in the congregation when the sermon is over. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Jesus laid claim that today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus knew who he was. He didn't have an identity issue. He knew to whom he belonged. He knew why he was on earth and what he was on earth to do. He understood God's purpose for his life, and he was unswervingly committed to it, to God's plan. 83 years ago, a baby girl was born as the daughter of a king, but that king died in 1972, and she became the queen. And on the 14th day of this month, she's going to abdicate that position, and her son will be seated on the throne. Kings and kingdoms all pass away, save one. It was now 2060 or so years ago that a virgin named Mary gave birth to a baby boy who was conceived by the Holy Spirit of the living God. He was born to be King, capital K, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, and of his reign, there shall be no end. And this, this, my friend, is the 224th year of his reign and we mark time by his lordship this is the year of the lord let it be the year of the lord's favor upon each one of us our good friend. hey our brother brett nix is back happy new year brett
1: happy new year carmen how are you this morning yeah
0: well, I'm, I'm much better than I was a couple of weeks ago. Um, I am one of the people oh, no. who, over the holidays, had some nasty respiratory illness.
1: Oh, no. So you had what I call the 12 days of Christmas this year.
0: Uh, it's, it's ongoing. It's ongoing. I mean, it's, it, yeah. now it's like a persistent gravel. I'm going to describe it that way. But I, I, sound, I sound and feel much, much better than I did the week prior to Christmas when, um, when everyone listening suffered with me. As you might imagine, yes, on radio,
1: absolutely, mm-hmm. and uh, and as you know, the uh, the reality is, it was a virus.
0: Yeah, I don't. I I tested for you know the one thing that everybody wants to know if you have, and uh, and it wasn't that. But I don't actually know what it was.
1: No. You know, it is so it I, is interesting. I was not alone. We have this not issue, alone, right? No, you're not. And if you look at the last couple of months, we have had a tremendous number of just viruses, colds. Uh, You know, I laugh because I'm much the same, Carmen. We and our family have been passing around a viral process since early November. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I have had the gravel, as you call it as well. Uh, And most people, it's cough, it's aches, bronchitis, congestion, runny nose, and this persistent cough that follows that takes quite a long time. Most people, if they have that similar Process, this common cold, are looking at about three to four weeks before full clearance. Uh, and it's not COVID, but COVID is out there and we hear it in the news. RSV is out there, we hear it in the news. And yes, influenza is out there. Uh, and I see it every day in the emergency department. Uh, you know, the common things hold common. Uh, and for many, the common cold this year seems to be much more significant. Um, the usual things also, it's holidays. We know that these things are spread by droplets, coughs and sneezes. We know that touching contaminated surface, so if you're at home, you've got to clean things when people are coming around. The embraces of the holidays, whether that be um, skin-to-skin contact through handshakes or family hugs, things like that, these are always the things that spread viruses. And when you have people in close proximity, indoors, uh, that's how these things spread. Uh, not uncommon, we see millions and millions of cases of viruses, common colds, and other ones every year. but also the same holds true is that if you are someone who is at risk, who has underlying medical conditions that put you at risk to get more ill to develop a pneumonia from these things, you're the ones that we have to be most careful with.
0: okay, I want to take a couple of minutes here um to to talk about uh, I'm just going to do a big category of diet and exercise, taking our health. Um, into, you know, like into better management, maybe is a way I'll describe it in 2024. Um, Maybe just talk with us about, you know, what's the best thing out there for us to be doing in terms of improving or managing our weight?
1: Believe it or not, the first thing you can do is get adequate sleep. Most people forget about that. Uh, When you have too little sleep or your sleep quality is low, It puts your body in a state of stress. That stress releases hormones and steroids into your body that cause your body uh, to gain weight. You have difficulties with your energy. You have difficulties with your exercise. But that stress state puts your body uh, at a disadvantage. So most of the time, the focus is on exercise. Most of the time, the focus is on the food intake. Those are incredibly important. But sleep is often forgotten. So let's start, number one, with that. Number two, we move on. Let's talk about foods. We always hear about the latest and greatest fad diet. Uh, the beautiful thing about our bodies is that God created us, all of us, uniquely individual. So what works for one person may not well work for another. We know that fresh fruits and vegetables, the things that are that are God-given from the earth directly to us, for those that you know go from a farm-to-table mindset, the lowest level of processing, the lowest level of added sugars and salt, Those things are going to be healthy for you. But for everyone, it has to be at a healthy amount. Uh, Portion control in the U.S. is a challenge. You go to a restaurant, uh, a food chain, and you're receiving typically between two if not three full servings uh, of what that amount is in one plating. Uh, And so we have to do a better job of understanding what we can take in and what we should not. And again, the other component of it is with the balance of exercise – We've talked about it before for the brain related to uh, making sure that we have good cognitive function, the ability to diminish the likelihood of dementia is just to get up and go, to walk, to be present, to be outside and to be going. But there's a value proposition of getting your heart rate up to an extent to doing some weight-based training for the muscles of your body. Each of these things primes your body for for a metabolic process that allows you not only to balance the intake but to put it to good use and finding that balance is going to be genetically different for every individual. As I said before, what is unique for you, Carmen is going to be different for me, but the same tenets of that process hold true. If you anchor to those three things and recognize as part of exercise is the mindset of stretching. It is the mindset of prayer or meditation built into that. Those are all tenets that will allow for, tremendous weight control, but also for health going forward.
0: That's so good. That's so good. All right. We're going to continue our conversation with the good doctor. Brett Nix here in just a moment. We're actually going to look at a resource that's posted at cmda.org, the Christian Medical and Dental Association, about having a family meeting. Have you had a family meeting about, well, financial matters? It's one thing to have a will. It's another thing to have that conversation about what your will really is. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Jesus loves the little children. You guys know that. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. And right now, there are little children in the world who need Jesus. They also need things like basic food and medical care. Jesus tells us that what we do for the least of these, the little ones, we do for him. So this is your time to become the champion of one child, to change their life. When you sponsor just one child, you plant seeds of hope and you work together with people who are on the ground to change the families, the communities, the future. You might not feel like you could change the world, but you can for one child. Meet the kids and find your child at MyFaithRadio.com. Depending on your age and stage of life, there is a conversation you are avoiding. Depending on your age and stage of life, there is a necessary, important, critical conversation that you are avoiding. If your kids are little and growing and growing up, you are probably avoiding conversations about sex and sexuality and the things going on in the culture related to gender identity. If you um, have had broken relationships in the past... And divorce is a part of your narrative. Maybe that is a conversation you are avoiding having with with others. Faith, beliefs, worldview. Could be that you are in an environment or a stage of life. Maybe you're in college and you're avoiding having those conversations with people around you. Here are conversations that people tend to avoid as they get older. They don't want to talk about money, financial assets, aging, having a living will, death. They don't want to talk about any of those things. But all of those things are necessary, important conversations. So, uh, Dr. Brett Nix uh, from the Christian Medical and Dental Association is here this morning. We're going to talk about a guide to a family meeting. It's posted at cmda.org. Brett, um, talk with us about how we get into a family meeting.
1: Well, as you said before, Carmen, each of us have missing conversations. They exist, and in our mind, we amplify that they are far more difficult than they really are But when we face those things they're incredibly incredibly valued not just for ourselves, for our well-being but for our family and you brought up a huge list of the things that we face based on the period of life the cmda document a guide to your family meeting really just helps you understand the very basics and asks you some simple questions which is simply how do you take a proactive stance to address the uncertainty that you're concerned with and most of it has to deal with is my family aware And is my family protected and in this conversation? And what does this look like? This could be the will. This could be your medical advance directive. And when you address these things, the first question people ask is, well, where do you begin? And in this document, it outlines a handful of questions that you have to ask yourself to go through. Now, some people will have um, perhaps their legal counsel. If they have an attorney that they've done their will through, maybe they have already gone through these types of processes. It doesn't require cost. It doesn't require going to start the conversation. To finish the legal document, sure, that may be something different. But as an emergency physician, I can tell you, I worked yesterday on New Year's Day, and the frequency by which I see people that come in with a devastating illness or a devastating accident, uh, and the family was, well, they were healthy, or we weren't expecting something like this to happen yet, Uh, those conversations happen every day. And the most important thing we can do is to to recognize that as part of loving our families well, these are conversations we have to have, which is even with my family, the will that my wife and I have in place, my kids understand it. They don't understand it in full, but there is a process in place. And those who are part of the will understand what that role is. And that changes over time. For myself, the clarity around if something devastating medically should happen to me, what would I want done is probably the most difficult conversation in our society but probably the most valued because that way you don't turn brother against sister uh, and family member against each other when it comes to what did mom, what did dad, what did my brother want uh, related to medical care Uh, and that can devastate families and so this proactive stance, the ability to step in and have difficult conversations about what does life look like, you know, what is uh, living and thriving uh, in life look like, and have that conversation in that space, such that when something uh, should happen, that everyone is on the same page. It is incredibly valued. It is difficult, uh, and for whatever reason, we really do struggle with that here in the in the U.S.
0: When you when you think about the conversations that people don't have, um, I think that the conversation about my my own personal medical care, um, what I want and what I don't want, what you described as an advanced medical directive. Like, that's a hard conversation to have even when somebody has said to you, all right, I want you to be my medical power of attorney. I want you to be the person who makes the decisions at that point in time. Because they trust me or you, like white, right? Depending who we are. Like, they trust us to make the right decision. But sometimes they're not very clear... Um, they don't even want to have the conversation about what does that mean? Like I think I know what I would want, but that doesn't mean that what I would want is what you want.
1: You're absolutely right, and the challenge here is you have to take a layperson's standard of under- of expectation understanding medically you know here I am as a medical expert, understanding exactly what I want and being able to delineate that. but if you have someone who is knowledgeable about their self-health maybe they have first aid they have just a general understanding of things to be able to sit down and have a clear delineation of what they want and don't want to be provided is a tremendously large ask and it's also for many very very uh, concerning uh, because they may not necessarily feel that they have the expertise to articulate that clearly. Uh, like, and that's why, you know, going through these sets of questions, uh, sitting down with your primary doctor when you do your annual physical, you know, it's a brand new year. Everyone will have their, their physicals uh, in the upcoming block of time. To have those conversations about what that is, uh, is probably the best place to start because that is what they're for. Uh, and it allows for clarity. It allows for a better understanding of your baseline health and the ability then for you to carry that information forward to your family and discussion.
0: Um, in terms of conversations, um, I don't know if you're familiar with this one. That, that There's a guy named Ezekiel Emanuel, um, and it's been 10 years ago now, maybe like 11 years ago now, that he wrote an article in The Atlantic about, like, why he hoped to die at 75. He's an oncologist. Um, he's a bioethicist. Um, he's at the University of Pennsylvania. And um, obviously, you know, he's 10 years older now. And so the question has been, like, posed to him afresh and anew. Um, Is that still what you're thinking? Ten years closer to that that age and stage, is that still what you're thinking? And what I appreciate about the conversation, I I don't necessarily agree with him. He's not a believer. You know, like, I could go down the list. But um, I appreciate that he's willing to say, look, there is an appropriate time for a human being to die. Um, And death is not unnatural. Um, And so I think one of the conversations, Brett, that I find increasingly important to have with Christians is that just keeping the physical body alive um, is, is not and should not be like our approach to life. We, we do not believe that this is all that there is and subjecting an elderly loved one, to all kinds of, of prolonging of quote-unquote life when all we're talking about is the physical flesh, when, that's, when there comes a time when it's, it's like okay to die. Like we got to get to the place as Christians where we can say that to each other. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay to die.
1: You're right. And it is a difficult conversation. And this is a conversation uh, that I have probably far more frequently than I would like, but it comes with the job that I have. Uh, And what we have to embrace is life is life and we have to embrace it when it's there. But the certainty that we have is death will come. And, you know, the question is, are you willing and capable of celebrating life for that individual? Uh, that may have been 10 years ago, that may have been 20 years ago. What did that look like? Because as you had just described uh, in Emmanuel's writings, you're right. He talks about the the faltering and the declining state that comes with age. It doesn't diminish who we are, <clears throat> but it does change uh, the perceptions of what we're capable of doing and our ability to engage, not to be remembered, not to be loved, but we have to be willing to have the conversations around uh, that death is... Something that we will have to embrace. So, why not have the conversation now? Why not celebrate the individual rather than, as stated before, use many, many different things medically to keep someone physically alive when they may not actually physically be able to or mentally be able to engage, to embrace, and otherwise? This is a difficult conversation that, to be honest with you, is something that uh, should be had to a much greater degree.
0: Yeah, amen. All right. Hey, thank you for the conversations that we have had. Thank you for the conversations that yet lie ahead in 2024. Um, and thank you for your service in the ER yesterday.
1: Amen, Carmen. Anytime. I uh, love to be here. Love sharing. and uh, Hopefully there's, a, there's value in conversation with those that are listening.
0: Amen. And may your family and my family be rid of this, this gravel. Uh, th- that will be my prayer for you.
1: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Amen to that, too. Oh, my goodness.
0: That's Dr. Brett Nix. You can find him at BrettNicksmd.com. You can find the resources we talked about today at cmda.org. You are listening to Mornings with Carmen. We're going to hear um, a little brief bit of news, and then you and I are going to have a conversation. It's a new year. What does it mean to be a new you? What What is that all about? What's new about this new year as disciples of Jesus. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Hello, my friend. Good morning. I'm Carmen LaBerge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. It's a new year, so happy new year. What's going to be so new about it? Mm Mm-hmm. You hear um, a lot of people preach this time of year on 2 Corinthians 5.17. It's actually one of the most often quoted New Year's verses. If anyone is in Christ, then there is a new creation. The old is gone. The new is here. So what does the Apostle Paul mean when he says that those who are in Christ are new creations? When does that happen? How does that work? If you and I are in Christ, then are we new creations just at that initial point of regeneration, like when we're saved? Or new creations day by day as we are actively submitting to the Holy Spirit, like, you know, who's working right now inside you and inside me to bring to completion the good work that God began in and among us? Like, are we becoming new individually and corporately? Are we new creations today? Not just, you know, on whatever day it was that you celebrated your rebirth day, but are you new today? This is a new day. It's a new year. Is there a new you? In Christ, is there a new creation? What are the things that, you know, of the old life, of the old way, need to be gone, need to go And you and I need to become new, renewed. And then how do we get renewed? Paul actually talks about that, what it means to become renewed people, a renewal of the mind, a renewal of the spirit, a renewal of faith, a renewal of life. Those who are in Christ, Christians, those who know they are in Christ, I mean, we know we belong to Christ we, we say we live for Christ, we understand and we embrace the calling of Christ to extend his kingdom in every direction, in every moment of every day, in every way. But how are we doing that? How are we living that? How are we loving Jesus in that way in 2024? What would it look like for you and I to experience renewal, a renewing of our mind, a renewing of our spirit, a renewing of our faith? What does it? What would it look like? I mean, are you are you tired of feeling old, like the old ways, the ways of the world? Do you want to be made new? Well, if so, Paul actually lays out a discipleship plan. He lays it out in several places, um, and I'll just say, you know, he's laying out for us a 2024 discipleship plan. And you're saying, well, pff, it's the Bible was written thousands of years ago, Mm -hmm. the discipleship plan, still the same, still the same. You don't need a new discipleship plan for 2024. The old discipleship plan is is still the plan. Like the discipleship plan that the Apostle Paul lays out for the first generations of Christians, still the discipleship plan for this generation of Christians today, still the discipleship plan for you and for me. So let's look at one of the places that the Apostle Paul lays out the plan of discipleship. There's several places you could turn to find this, but we're going to look at Romans chapter 12. You say, what verses? Mm -hmm. The whole thing. We're going to look at Romans chapter 12, the whole chapter. Paul says, I urge you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what god's will is his good pleasing and perfect will now let me just tell you you could spend um you could spend all day all week all month and all year in those two verses of scripture <laughs> i mean in view of god's mercy are you living in view of god's mercy and then What does it mean to offer our bodies as living sacrifices? What does it mean to offer our lives moment by moment, day by day, week by week, month by month, and yes, year by year, as sacrifices holy and pleasing to God? To put who we are at God's use, to God's use, to his good pleasure, and have that be our true and proper worship. Not checking off a box that says, yes, I went to church on these days at these times, and that checks off the worship box. No, no, to actually offer our lives as a living sacrifice day in and day out to God and for that to be our true and proper worship. And then what does it look like for us moment by moment, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year? not to be conformed to the pattern of this world. Do we even, can we even tell what the pattern of this world is or are we living so much in the pattern of the world that we can't even tell what the pattern of the world is anymore? It's part of what we do here each and every day. We look at what's going on and we say, okay, that's, that's, that's not godly. That's not good. That's not beautiful and that's not true. We got to be able to see the pattern of the world for what it is. We've been swimming in the water for so long. We've been operating in the way of the world for so long. There's a lot of times we can't even see it anymore. We don't even recognize how, how much in the warp and the woof of, uh, of the pattern of the world we're in. So that's part of what we do together. We seek to clarify that. How do we do that? We allow our minds to be transformed and renewed through the word of God. We cultivate alongside one another, the ability to test and approve God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. By lining it up with Scripture, by testing what's happening in us, among us, through us, against what God has said in the Bible about his character and his will. Paul goes on, verse 3, Romans chapter 12. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we, though we are many, form one body. Each member belongs to all the others. Yes, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. And so if your gift is prophesying, prophesy in accordance with your faith. If, if your gift is serving, then serve. If teaching, then teach. If you have the gift of encouragement, then give encouragement. If your gift is giving, then give generously. If your gift is leadership, then do so diligently. If your gift is to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Don't lack in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor up. Serve the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Yeah, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud. Be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody else. Don't take revenge, my dear friends. Leave room for God's wrath. God's the one who wrote, it's mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. So on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. And in doing this, you're going to heat burning coals on his head. Don't be overcome by evil. Overcome evil with good. That is Romans chapter 12 you say to yourself, I was looking for a discipleship plan for 2024. Hmm. Maybe consider Romans chapter 12. What would it look like? What would it look like to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God? What would it look like not to conform to the pattern of the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds? What would it look like to be able to test and approve together as the people of God, what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will, and then to do it. And you say, well, what does it mean to do it? Well, I mean, Paul literally makes a laundry list. He he literally makes a list of, hey, do this, don't do this. Hey, do this instead of this. Hey, live this way, not that way. You looking for a discipleship plan for 2024? Consider Romans chapter 12. We're going to Continue this conversation here in just a moment. If you are determined to be a disciple, if you're determined to be a disciple, then how are you going to intentionally not only be discipled, but disciple someone else in 2024? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, host of Mornings with Carmen. I got some good news for you today today. Jesus Christ is the good gift of God to each and every person. We heard the proclamation of Christmas that there's this good news of great joy for all people. Well, guess what? That means you. Jesus is the good news. He is the gift of God given at Christmas. And maybe you're saying, I don't feel so good. I haven't really received this sense of good news. Well, we would invite you to wake up to the goodness of God with 40 Days Toward Healing and Wholeness. It's Susie Larson's brand new book. Our friends over at W Publishing gave us a 100 copies for Christmas to give away to you. So we'd invite you to enter to win yours now at myfaithradio.com. Wake up to the goodness of God, 40 Days Toward Healing and Wholeness because Jesus really is the good news and the great joy for all people. Connecting Faith to Life, Faith Radio. I'm Carmen LeBurge listening to Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. All right, so we have determined to be a disciple in 2024. Like, I'm I am a disciple. I follow Jesus, but not really sure that I'm. Actively pursuing a life of discipleship. All right, so I'm going to use Romans chapter 12 as my as my discipleship guide for the year. There you go. That's an easy one to find. Um, It is. uh, It's it's literally laid out there for you. And then you're going to say, okay, but how do I do that? So I'm going to talk about determination. I'm going to talk about being determined to be a disciple, to be discipled, and to disciple someone else. How do you know that you're a disciple? Well, you know you're a disciple if you're actively discipling someone else. That That is actually how discipleship works. So I want you to be in a discipling relationship in two directions. So you need to be actively in a discipling relationship with someone who is more mature than you in the faith. And you need to be discipling someone who is not as far along on the discipleship journey as you are. Which, yes, means... You got to go take, you know, a a, a few steps back. Find somebody who's not as far along as you on the discipleship journey and walk with them the stretch that, yes, you have already traversed. It's good. Repetition is good. It'll be good for you. It's obviously going to be good for them. And it's going to be good for the kingdom. So there is a conversation about determination. So have you determined who you are? Have you determined that you are a person who is in Christ, that you are a Christian? If not, well, that's the first step. That's the first, that's the first choice to be made in 2024, to make the choice for Jesus. Determine who you are in Christ as a Christian, an ambassador of the king and the kingdom, a minister of reconciliation, an agent of grace. And then determine who you want to be as Christ, man or woman in this year, the year of the Lord, 2024 determine like make a determination and then out of that what do you want to do how will your thoughts words and deeds be renewed reshaped reformed reorganized to conform not to the ways and ideas of the world but to the ways and the word of god what is your bible reading plan you can get one at myfaithradio.com what is your bible study plan what is your bible discussion plan Who are you going to, what other faithful believers are you going to sit down and talk with about what God says about his character and his ways in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments? What is your grow plan for 2024? How are you going to grow in the knowledge and the fear of the Lord? And then determine to do it. Like, it's one thing to, like, determine, this is who I am and this is what I want to do. It's another thing to do it discipleship is in the doing not the planning not even in the believing but in the living in the doing do you know that the word believe is to live as if be be live be leave to live as if it's not just some thought process it's a life process To be living as if is to believe, is to show forth your belief. Discipleship is in the doing, and so just do it. Like, literally, do it. Paul says we have different gifts according to the grace that's given to us. So what is your gift? Determine to use your gift to God's glory. I mean, just do it. If God has given you the gift of service, then serve. If teaching, then teach. If encouragement, then give encouragement. If giving, then give generously. If leading, then lead. You you see how this works, right? It's love in action. It's love in action. Just do it. Be sincere in, in loving others. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. You realize here, I'm just reading from Romans chapter 12 again, right? You get that that's what we're doing. Be devoted to one another in love. This is the doing part. Like, do it. Honor other people above yourself. That's a call to humility and humble service. And then I, I appreciate this. Um, and those of you who know me are going to say, well, yes, she does not lack in zeal. Never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor. Serve the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. This is the do it list. Do it. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. The list goes on in Romans chapter 12. Do it. Not, not, um, out of some kind of like weird check off the list obligation, but out of love, in view of God's mercy, like in view of the reality of the gospel, in view of Jesus, do it. Now for the test. This is the desire test. Do we really honestly want to live as Jesus's people? Do we really honestly want, desire to make this the year of the Lord? Or, you know, are we really just paying lip service to the idea or the value of faith without actually practicing it as a way of life? Jesus is the way and the truth and the life, and he knows if we're actually telling the truth about wanting, deeply desiring to follow him in his way as we live our lives. So there's a gut check here. Do you really honestly want, desire, To follow King Jesus as Lord in this year of the Lord, 2024? And if not, then why in the world would you expect anything in 2024 but what the world has already given you in 2023? The ways of the world. The world's fallen, broken, painful, disappointing spirit of anger and greed and envy and decay and death. Why would you expect anything other than that? If you don't really honestly want and desire to follow King Jesus as Lord in this year of the Lord, 2024. I want it to be a year of the Lord's favor in your life. The ways of the world are wide and many follow them. The way of Jesus is narrow, but it leads to life. Will you follow him with me in this year? I want us to desperately desire a life in Christ. And I want us to follow in his way. Let us do it, and let us do it together. You guys know that I have been in the practice of adopting a word of the year in the past. Um, we got a friend who texted in that her word for the year 2024 is grow. She offered some related verses, and so I'm going to lift those up as an entry point into a conversation that we can have in the days to come. Colossians 2.7, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. And then 2 Peter three eighteen, Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Have you got a verse uh, or word of the year, a verse of the year, a song for the year? I'd like to know it. You can always text me, eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. I don't know about you. I might uh, I might uh, take this word of the year, the word grow. I know this. I want to be a person who is in the word of God, that the word of God might get into me before I get out there into the world that God so loves as his agent of grace and minister of reconciliation and ambassador of the kingdom. How about you? How about you? Where in the word are you today? Thank you so much for spending this time with me here this is Mornings with Carmen. How about you share the show with somebody else so we can get the conversation going and growing among a wider community of people. Download the Faith Radio app, share the show with someone else, be an ambassador and a missionary of this program, and I'll see you right back here tomorrow. Have a great day, and God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support.